This is Eric Nevelin, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. Hello, my name is J-Mac and you're listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. From the comfort of my west wing of my West London mansion, with a bottle of Chateau Neuf de Pap to my left and some caviar to my right. In this episode, we will discuss the health hazards of toffee, with our toothless display at Goodison Park last Saturday, leaving us in need of some strong analysis from our co-hosts John and Matt of the Barclay variety, who are always guaranteed to deliver. After that, the Fulham quiz awaits with the promise of eternal glory for one of these fine men and one of you lovely lot at home who play along. We will then sneak peek Sunday's Arsenal match along with our memory lane feature. We will also quickly discuss our return to the Etihad for the Carabao Cup. But first, we'd like to offer a huge thank you to former Fulham striker Eric Neverland, who made a significant impact in his two years at the club. Signed by Roy Hodgson in January 2008 at a time when the odds were against us in our fight to stay up, during the run-in, Neverland won the penalty at Man City, which eventually ended up in the net to bring things back to 2 all, and gave us the springboard to go on and win the game in injury time. He then scored goals away at Reading and at home to Birmingham to give us a chance of survival on the last day at Portsmouth. Neverland came off the bench four minutes before Danny Murphy scored the crucial winning goal at Fratton Park to keep us up in the Premier League and continue to play a significant part in the side that went on to qualify for the Europa League the following season with an incredible 7th place finish in the league. Eric came on in the Europa League final but couldn't grab us a goal and we ended up runners-up to Atletico Madrid in what was the most I mean, amazing of journeys. I've never heard a Fulham fan say a bad word about our lethal Norwegian legend and his time with the club will always be associated with some fantastic memories. So, Eric Neverland, we salute you. Alright gents, let's go. Right, gentlemen, let's have a quick recap. We start the first half like a continuation of Watford's second half last week. We defended okay with some flashes of silky slaver football. Tim Ream was back, albeit slightly rusty. Mensah came off with a shoulder injury and Cyrus comes on to replace him. We had our moments and Cess nearly had us up at half-time but opted for the crossbar challenge instead. And second half, we walk out totally asleep, soft penalty, luckily missed. But then a ground curler from Gilfie Sigerson to the left of the net, then an unmarked header by Tossin, and another curler from Sigerson to the right, leaving Betts rooted once again. We lost Joe Bryan and were down to 10 in the 86th minute, which didn't help things, but we did see Tom Kenny again as a substitute. So, John, I'm going to go in right here and just ask how you are and how did you feel about the starting lineup, mate? You're right there, J-Mac. Yeah, I'm very good. Um, I was actually really quite happy with the starting lineup. They've been very varied, to say the least. And um, this game, I before the game, I thought it's a good time to play Everton. And I was really, really actually happy seeing Sess up the pitch and Brian at left back was, was a plus. Seeing um, Adoy and Ream at the back, I mean, the back hasn't worked. So fall back to what worked so well last year. I was very optimistic before the game, to be honest. And, you know, it's easy to question question the formation and who's playing, but... I thought that gave us every chance of getting something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my feelings were quite similar. And so, Matt, we we had a chat before the game and it seemed like it was a 4-4-2 we were playing. Well, it said so on the Sky Sports app, but apparently not the case at all. What did you make of what was actually in front of you when you were at Goodison Park? Yeah, evening, gents. Um, it, it did. It said it said four four two. I had a look on um, on the official Fuller map as well, and, and it seemed to suggest we were playing a four four two. But as, as the game unfolded, it, it didn't look like a four four two at all. It, it did look more like the four two three one formation. I think Angisa and and Seri were with a two in front of the defence, and then Vieto, Scherler, and Sess were playing behind Mitro. And Scherler and Vieto kind of switched between the centre and the right. Um, in, in all honesty, the formation aside, I think that's pretty close to our best team at the moment. I was happy with Adoy and Ream playing, um, playing centre-back. Um, Fosu Mensa was really unlucky to come up with that shoulder injury. And, and in fact, he was 
he was treated for quite some time in front of us after being substituted as well. Um, he was being treated right in front of the, the visiting supporters at Goodison Park. Um, and then he was stretched off. And, and funnily enough, the, uh, the most noise Everton made all afternoon was, um, was, to, was to clap him off. They, they were really quiet and subdued. I was surprised. And I thought they were there for the taking, actually. Didn't think the Everton fans were up for it. And I thought, hang on a minute, we're playing OK here in the first half. But yeah, as always seems to be the case, we we capitulated, which is is really frustrating. Actually, um, I, I genuinely thought, travelling up there, I thought blank sheet this season. You know, we're we're back we're back at Everton, we're back in the Premier League, completely different team. Let, let's give them a good game, and we we did for forty five minutes, but just capitulated in the second half, as I say. So that that was disappointing. But starting lineup, quite happy with that for once. All right, excellent, excellent, and so John. We lost, we lost Joe Bryan quite late on in the game, but obviously we lost Mensa very, very early on. I mean, this is now going to cause even more disruption to an already unsettled back four. I mean, how much will we miss these fullbacks in the next next few games? Do you think? Um, I think a lot. To be honest, it's it's incredibly unfortunate that it's happened. Um, mm. We've all been calling for a solid back four, and. This is an incredible spanner in the works that, you know, you, ca- you can't blame anyone for that, on, you know, this time. It, it's, the, the team in general just um, doesn't seem to have, have completely gelled. And looking at some stats, like we've, we've given away more expected goals than any other team in the Premier League by quite, quite a way. And, um, you know, people obviously need to, to, to know the players around them, especially in the kind of passing keep the ball football that we, we try and play. Fossi Mensa, I wasn't at this game, but Fossi Mensa was, was good against, very good against um, Watford. And, you know, you, you kind of saw him, that was his position, really. Um, I didn't think Christie would, would, would be figuring for us, you know, after seeing that performance. And um, it, it must be incredibly, incredibly difficult for a, for a team to see one of your own players stretch it off like that so early in the game, you know, to get yourself back up for it and, and, and to fight. But, we actually did remarkably well for the, in the first half, considering that happened. What's it, what, what's just so frustrating is that I, I think even last season we we were not a ninety-minute team, and Watford was 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 much improved. But you know, we, we threw it away the second half here. It, it was the same in the championship. I felt that sometimes we just couldn't get started, and we almost needed something had to just click, and all of a sudden it, it was wonderful. But Often, often it was one good half, one one poor half, and we got away with it in the championship. But it's clearly not going to happen in this league. And and you really need to be maximising the spells when you're in control, taking the chances when you've actually, you know when, when they're coming. And um, we're not, we're not doing it. And I think I'm sure Slav must be tearing his hair out. He's not saying go out there and you know play badly, but some, something has to change kind of quickly because. If you're not in a game for half of it, then you're really struggling. And we should we should be kind of at it for, you know, the vast majority of every game to, to give ourselves any chance. Yeah, exactly. And so, Matt, something needs to change. What would you have changed about the starting lineup? And you saw Riemann and Odoi back together again. Was there the nostalgia of last season there? Was there a good sort of partnership form? Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think it was great to see Tim Ream back first and foremost. I think he'll make a massive difference. I think we did we look less less likely to make mistakes at the back. Um, I think he brings an air of calm to the defence. Um, and it's funny, Danny's just sent me a stat as we're recording this actually that Tim Ream made seven interceptions against Everton, which is more than any players combined for the whole of September. So for those four games, Tim Ream made more interceptions in one game. So it's quite clear. Highly influential. Um, whether Adoy is the right man to play alongside him long term, I don't know, but he certainly is at the moment. In terms of what would I change about the starting lineup, I don't think I'd have changed anything, to be honest. I was, I was quite happy with the way we set up. I was really keen last week that Joe Bryan would be back in the side, and he was back in the side. And it's unfortunate that he's now picked up a hamstring injury that's going to keep him out for a little while. Um, I like seeing Cess further forward. Um, he got into a good position and fluffed his lines and hit the bar when it looked like it was easier for him to score. But yeah, I, I wouldn't have changed much about the starting lineup. Maybe just gone with a, a 4-3-3 rather than a 4-2-3-1. As I said earlier, I think Mitro looked um, uh, a little bit isolated on his own up front. 
um, and didn't quite get the support. And that's what I want to see, actually. I, I want to see us defend more as a unit and attack more as a unit as well so that we don't leave players isolated. Defensively, if everybody gets back in defence, then, you know, you've got more chance of crowding the teams out. Um, and then attacking-wise as well, the more players we get forward, the more chance there is of somebody getting their foot on the end of a cross or us working our, working our way through a defence. So that's what we need to get better at. And, and I think it's we're too much a team of individuals at the moment, but I think the, the cohesion will come. Team of individuals, that's very interesting. And that's going to go to my point that I'm going to make, because you mentioned the Cess opportunity just before the half. And there was also an opportunity from Sherla, who decided to obviously fluff it quite a lot. Um, John, are we being a bit dramatic here with our analysis? I mean, with that, if that Cess goal went in before half time, and if Vieto got his shot actually on target earlier later on, and if you know Charlotte managed to do a bit better as well, we'd all be singing from a different hymn street, hymn sheet, wouldn't we? I think so. I think you're you're right there. And I mean, obviously, taking your chances is is incredibly important. I I, I think the team's a bit lost. I I can't. Last oh. season, we, we had a clear identity that, you know, and a clear style of play. And to be honest, the defence was never was never great, but we attacked and we kept the ball for so much of the game that, you know, it we didn't have to do so much defending. But we seem to not be controlling the ball as much, not keeping it as much as last season. And we're just so open at the back. It, it I don't know how it can work, really. I mean... We honestly don't seem to, um, we're really not playing the same football. And I can understand if you're not going to kind of keep the possession and push everyone up the pitch quite as much, but then you need to defend better. And we don't seem to be doing anything. Matt was spot on. We don't seem to do anything 100%. It's kind of like, well, we're going to attack at 75% and defend at 75% and hope it all comes comes good. But that isn't good enough. And I think um, last year you could almost, get away with relying on the opposition to to make mistakes with the ball. So if he just dropped off, they're not going to pick out the, a worldy pass and, and or, you know, score from outside the box. But this season, the quality is higher and those those things are all going against us. So we need to be solid at the back. We need to get back and defend. We need to be hungry, you know. For me, either you, you drop back and you, you defend in banks or you do the kind of rush attack and you just try and crowd them out up the pitch, win it back quickly, and and push on from there. I mean, if you look at Liverpool and City, obviously a very high standard to meet, but their players might be better in quality, but but our players can run as much and press as hard. You know, that it, you don't have to be world class just to run and, and, and push the ball. And by not doing that, but being up the pitch, we're just leaving so much behind us. I think either we need to tr- we need to get get a hell of a lot better at doing that, or just drop back and um, you know try and try and absorb some of it. But then defend with more intent and try and win the ball back and, and go on the break. And I mean, the, the Cess chance was was a, a good example of us actually winning the ball back, breaking quickly. And, you know, he didn't score, but it, was, it wasn't the worst effort I've seen. And, you know, um, yeah, I think, you know, kind of you'd, you'd hope five times out of ten, six times out of ten, you score those. But it, it didn't come off today. Yeah. And so... With our defensive discipline, if we allowed the fullbacks to be a tiny bit less more adventurous and so they can cover people at the back. I mean, Matt, you were saying to me that you think who was in the fault for the goals that they scored them the first goal? Was it Vieto was ball watching, I believe you said to me. Yeah, it was. He was. He was stood there admiring the pass back to Sigurdsson and mm. before he'd reacted, Sigurdsson was already a couple of yards ahead of him and and it was a great finish from Sigurdsson, don't get me wrong. You know, he, he's bent that right around the, the wall of defensive players and gave Bettinelli no chance he found the bottom corner. But if Vieso had reacted quickly enough, instead of ball watching, then, you know, he might have been able to get a foot on the ball or at least attempt a tackle. And it's the same with the other two goals. And I, I found Cyrus Christie's defending on, on Saturday absolutely shocking. It made me so frustrating. He stood there and watched Tozen as he ghosted in at the back post. And, you know, he had the freedom of the, the whole stadium to just run in and nod that one into an almost unguarded goal. And then I think it was the third one that kind of um, underlined the attitude of the team for me on the day. Um, all right, we're already 2-0 down. I'm already looking at my watch thinking I've got a train to catch and I'm going to sack this off in a minute. Um, but it's like the players thought the same. Um, and as Everton broke, 
Sigurdsson busted gut to get into the box and get on the end of that ball. He was he was sprinting. Christie casually jogging back, nowhere near Sigurdsson by the time he got there. And I, I think, I mean, I wrote, I wrote an article for the Full and Focus website today. And in that article, I said, we need to see another 10% from each of these players. People need to be sweating blood for this team this season, because if you're going to stand there and admire um, the talent that's on show, then we will. We'll just be passengers and we, and we will end up getting relegated. There's no two ways about that. And it's quite funny. I, I was on, on the train on the way up. I, I had 442, the, the football magazine with me, and, and I bought it because there was a QA and a with Berbatov in there, Dimitar Berbatov, our, our ex-lazy striker. And, um, and in it, he said, um, somebody asked him a question about what do you make or what do you say to people who call you lazy? And, and he said, in actual fact, I was in the, the top five um, runners in, in the team, quite which team, I don't know, because... All right, maybe he made intelligent runs and he scored a lot of goals, so it worked for him. But he then went on to say he saw no point in chasing down lost causes, and he thought that people used to do that for their own for their own statistics to make them look like they're better players. But my argument to that would be: you watch Andre Scherler, and by the way, Andre Scherler's won a World Cup, and Dimitar Berbatov hasn't. Um, Scherler will run around, and his work rate is top class. He will, whether he's got a chance of getting there or not, he will make the effort to try and close people down. And, you know, maybe one time in 50, you you chase a lost cause. It might come off for you. So you should be chasing down all of those lost causes. And I want to see that from the rest of our team as well. And I think I think a lot of the players should look up to him, um, look up to Scherler and, um, and take his work rate on board and actually pull their fingers out and work as hard as he does. Because if this talented set of players works as hard as Scherler does most weeks, then we'll be on to something. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. And so... I don't think this is much of a discussion, but John, I mean, the penalty, soft as hell, or actually there's something in that? What do you think? Oh, I thought, I, th- I couldn't believe it when I saw it. It, it was <laughs> it was incredibly soft. I mean, I think even if you look at Calvert-Lewin's face, he, he thought he'd got away with one. It, I, I think justice was done, you know, mm. um, it didn't go in, but blimey, if those, if, if that's a penalty... Yeah. I think I think um, I think I heard on match of the day they were like definitely not. But then on um on the sky cover it's like oh well if that was outside the box would it be a free kick? No, it wouldn't. It really wouldn't. There was nothing there. Um, I just can't yeah. believe match of the day have actually been kind to us for once. That's quite nice of them, isn't it? I'm um, sure they didn't mention our name. They just kind of <laughs> made a decision. But yeah, and so look, I'm going to ask you another question, John. I mean, there's a lot of fear mongering already. A lot of it, in my opinion unnecessary is there any any chance at all that Slava is out of his depth here and has hit a potential glass ceiling with with our club or do you think we need stability and we need to just keep going for now and it's far too early surely I think we need stability but even without stability I I definitely do not think he's hit hit a glass ceiling I mean I just remember this this time last season I started to doubt a bit um, because I was watching game after game and and things didn't seem to be improving in any way. And I was like, what is going on? What What is he doing? Um, but then all of a sudden, a club record unbeaten spree, you know, arguably we were better than Wolves. I, I hope everyone thinks we were better than Cardiff. And we just went on that unbelievable run and everything just came good. So I think anyone who has forgotten that sh- is doing so unfairly, really, because... You know, it wasn't a fluke that everything came right. Um, my only concern is I think the players got together after the, I think it was a Sunderland loss or, or something like that away and said, come on, guys, look, let's let's pull it together. Um, still a bit hungover from the playoff loss the year before. And it all, and it all came good. I'm a little bit nervous because, okay, let's say the players do that tonight and say, all right, let's all come together. And then we don't start picking up points. Then, what, in three weeks' time, are they going to, how many times can you say, come on, lads, and it not work before it's just a broken flush, basically? So I hope things are going on. And, you know, I think everything you read about Slav, he's, he, he's got an eye for the detail. You know? Even things on the training pitch, on everything, the music they play, the kits, he thinks about everything. So, you know, I, maybe we won't see immediate immediate improvements, but I'm certain things are going on behind the scenes. And he, he for me, he deserves, I think um, Matt said it, but um, in his... Brilliant article. You should definitely read that because I, I really enjoyed that that he wrote. Um, 
but he he's got the season for me regardless to be honest um and uh yeah it's it what doesn't help is these injuries really because any kind of settled back anything i mean it, it's not it's that's been that's going to that's going to hurt us but you know there's still good enough players there to to play and we need to play together we we need you know if we, it's all well and good Sherla running after a ball, but then if no one else chases, then there's three players he can pass it to. So if we're not, if we're going to push, we push together. And if we're going to defend, we, we, we defend together. We can't, you know, we, we need to, they need to gel quickly. Yeah, very good. And so, so Matt, in your, in your blog, which is fantastic, by the way, I read it too, as well as John, um, we, you made a very good point about our home form being imperative this season. And of course, it's an obvious thing to say for any team that a home form is imperative, but we do have an opportunity to actually look at ourselves and say we are a different team when we play at home and we can make the cottage a fortress. And I don't know what it might be like against the likes of Arsenal who are top form at the moment, but how much of a difference can the cottage make to us this season, do you think? It has to make a difference um, like it always used to when we were in the Premier League last time. I don't know what it is. I, I don't really understand the difference between playing at home and playing away and why why it makes such a difference. Okay, players are travelling, but, you know, the other teams that came up with us, Wolves, for example, um, you know, teams pick up wins away from home all the time, but we always struggle at this level. And I don't know what it is about this level that always catches us out. It's it's really, it really bamboozles me every time and it's it's frustrating as hell. Um, Just just to go back um, to, to the point about Slav, though, yeah. Um, I just wanted to just wanted to make the point that just to take yourself back to Saturday, May the 26th of this year when we were at Wembley and everyone's hugging each other and having a great time after we've just got promoted. And then I'm pretty sure a lot of people would have said at the time, I'll take 17th place next season, um, which means survival. And what you bear in mind is that the team that finishes 17th in the league generally loses a lot more games than it wins. So despite spending the fortune, 17th is still going to be an excellent finish for us this season if we if we do manage to achieve it. And to suggest a change in manager for me is absolutely ludicrous and I've, I've got no time for the nonsense, to be honest. Yeah, well said, mate, well said. And just going to what you were saying about the cottage and how it makes a difference and how some grounds can do that. John, our relationship with Goodison Park has never been good and some people will say that, you know, three points or a draw was never on the cards for us this game. But... Due to Everton's defensive reputation as of late, would you say that actually Everton were there for the taking in this game? To an extent, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have had a much better opportunity, you know, to, to get something. Just just a point, just a positive result, you know. Um, these kind of hoodoos on your back, they're not, they, don't, they don't help the club at all. Mm. And Everton weren't on a rich reign of form in the slightest. Um, I mean, Tosson scored against us. Like, he doesn't... He doesn't score against anyone. It it was it was it was a very very good time to play them. I think, and you know, if you if you forfeit every point you play away from home, then you're putting so much pressure on your home form that you know it's 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 going to be it's going to have a negative effect. We we need to pick up points away, and yeah, I mean, this was a great time to play Everton. Um, in fairness, they were more clinical. I mean, we didn't turn up the second half, but. We were in the game at half time, and to come out and have a, a performance like that is, is is very disappointing. Very good, sir. And uh, Matt, you were there. Tom Kearney came on and played for twenty five minutes. What was his impact? Did he look like just the, the Tom Kearney we all love? Say again? Yeah, it's zero. His impact was zero. You wouldn't have known he was oh. on the pitch, to be honest. But. That's that's not to say that I don't think he's massively important for us this season. I don't see him fitting in too much to a four-two-three-one because I, I like him as a box-to-box midfielder. You know, right. he picks the ball up on the edge of our own box and he drives forward. He carries the ball and he'll create a chance. He'll pick a pass out. But in a four-two-three-one, it's it's difficult to kind of really see where where he's going to be able to do that. But it's great to have him back. Um, he's he's such an important player. But he came on at a time in that game where. You know, our backs were against the wall and, and he would find it really difficult to influence the game. One player I was disappointed with in the second half, though, was was John Serry. You know, he he he, t- he sometimes goes hot and cold in games and, and can go missing. I understand he went missing um, in the Man City game as well. Again, understandable because we're playing against such a good side. 
but a question I'd I'd put to you two um, is: Does John Serry only perform when Fulham perform, or is it the other way around? I think that's a fantastic question, and actually, I think you could be onto something that is the other way. I mean, I think Serry is a confidence player, and I think he will play extremely well when he's getting. Well, everyone is ticking, but I'm very worried, very, very worried that Seri is only going to get worse as our results get worse. I don't see him particularly as a fighter. Um, John, what what are your thoughts on that, on, on Seri? I mean, I think his his class is, is undeniable, as you say, mm. when when he's on. I think we saw it sometimes last season where, where Kearney was our kind of talisman and then you know, they'd just put two players on him and he would really struggle because, you know, he's just got no time on spa- or space on the ball. I think having Kearney and Seri, two players who can look forward with the ball at their feet and beat mm-hmm. a, beat, beat one player, I think that might be abs- absolutely vital for us because, you know, we are facing better teams, better fitness and, you know, better, better tactics and all that. So they can crowd out our one playmaker. If, if we have two, then... um then that's a lot more difficult. Um, and I think a lot of the times, well, Cess, Cess would get marked and he maybe he didn't do much in the game, but it would give other players a chance for things to happen. Um, the problem then comes, well, um, then you've got, you, you need someone to sit in front of the back four. And K-Mac seems to have been a bit, he seems a little bit off the pace, a little bit sluggish. Um, maybe it's just, he's, he's a bit out of form or maybe it's just that the league is a bit quicker. On the plus, I, I think Seri is, is better, you know, he, he tackles better, he intercepts better, he, he he has more of that defensive side of the game. So with a defensive midfielder, Kearney and Seri, hopefully we, we can we can strike the balance. But um you know I mean his his um his assist for for the Cess chance was was pretty special and you know you know good point. Good point yeah. People people aren't playing out their skin around him. Um so to rely on him alone, I think is tough, and and I think you know I think having Kearney next to him hopefully will, will ease the burden on both of them. You know, and one of them is having a blinder. Often it's you know no one wants to be overshadowed, so the, the, the other one could as well. But yeah, it's too early for me to kind of say he's kind of like a, a fair weather player. But um, maybe he's got chill blains um, or something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> um- so Matt, quickly to you before we do the satisfaction rating, would you say there was no correlation to Joe Bryan's uh, coming off to the to the number of goals we we leaked after that? Well, it came it came up the other side of the pitch, didn't it? The um, the third goal because we were only two 0 down when he came off, and I think I've made my feelings quite clear on that. I, I you know, I would have liked to have seen more from Cyrus Christie trying to bust the gut to get back, but yeah. I'm, I'm gutted for Joe Bryan. I really am. I, I really like him. And now he's going to be missing for the next few games. It's it's really disappointing. But no 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 correlation between between going down to ten men and conceding another goal at the end, for me anyway. Yeah, I mean, bless him. Our poor bookworm just can't catch a break, can he? Um, all right then. So, John, uh, your satisfaction rating. How what would you rate the manager out of ten for this performance? I think it's very difficult to judge him too harshly because because of the injuries we had in the first half um he had, he had such a good effect at half time against Watford i'm sure he didn't do anything too different against everton so you know some of the responsibility responsibility has to go with the players but um out of 10 a 3-0 loss i'm going to say a 6 but i'm not i'm not massively critical of slav there but you can't commend him too much when we've just lost 3-0 in the second half and not had a shot on target. Yeah, fair enough. And for you, Matt, what was your rating, mate? Yeah, I've given him a five the last couple of weeks, but I've, I was much more impressed with, with the starting lineup this week. So happy to give him a six and I lay the, the blame at the players for, for this game. I didn't think they gave enough. All right, guys. Well, thanks for keeping the faith slightly during that. Um, that's it for the Neverton ending story. Copyright Danny Boy FC. Now, the quiz is on the other side of this. Fulham. Hello and welcome back. Now it's time for the Fulham versus Arsenal quiz. Now, my co-hosts here can score a total of 20 points each, but you lovely listeners at home can score a total of, I believe it is, 33 points. So pencils at the ready and I'll give you a bit of time to answer the questions if you're playing along. All right, so, John, since you are 
the newest person so far. I mean, Matt's been on quite a few times recently. Would you like set one or set two of the questions, mate? Um, I didn't do so so well with set one last time, so I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna let um let Matt go first. Put the pressure on. <laughs> okay, excellent. All right, okay, this is big, 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 Matt. You've got big shoes to fill after last week, mate. Let's do it. Okay, so round one. All right, Matt, you're up with set one questions, mate. Here we go. The round is, who are you? Who scored the winning goal at the Putney end with a header, but sadly his momentum caused him to go ahead first into the advertising boards and be stretched off in 2006? Oh, are there no options? No, 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 no. Oh, this, is, Thomas, this, is, Thomas, this is serious. Thomas Rosinski. And bye. That is correct, mate. Thomas Rosinski is the exact right answer. Well done, man. Okay, question two. Who had one cap for Ghana and loaned and was loaned to Fulham from Arsenal for half a season in 2013 when he was 21 years old? This is for you, Matt. Question two of round one. God, I can't remember his name. It wasn't a Bouet, was it? Unfortunately not, mate. It was Emmanuel Frimpong. Oh, Emmanuel Frimpong. something. Yeah, nearly, man. Sorry. Okay, so just one point out of the first round for you. Okay, John. First question of the first round for you. During the 3-3 draw at the Emirates in 2012, everyone in the ground knew that Berbatov was going to score his penalty, including the Arsenal keeper who didn't even bother diving. Who was that goalkeeper? <clears throat> oh, um. I want to say Fabianski, but not confidently. Uh, all right. Unfortunately, no, mate. It was Vito Manon or Manone. I never know how to pronounce his surname, but it was Vito Manon. I'm going to say Manon for now, unfortunately. All right, mate. Second question of set two. Chance to go even here with Matt. All right. This Swede wasn't afraid of a dodgy haircut in his early Arsenal days and scored the Gunners' first goal against Fulham in the Premier League era in 2001 at the Cottage. Dodgy um, haircut. I'm going to say Freddie Lundberg. That's exactly it, mate. Nice one. Freddie Lundberg is the correct answer. Okay, you guys are one each. All right, guys. We're going to round two where you all give me an answer each for this. And it's called Guess the Figure. So I'll go to you first, Matt. Question one. It'll come as no shock that Thierry Henry has scored the most times against Fulham for Arsenal in the Premier League. But how many times did he score against us? These are getting harder every week. I know he's 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 really trying to do one on you. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say eight. You're gonna say eight. Same question to you, John. Um, I want to be that person who just goes one higher or lower. So I'm gonna say eleven. Eleven. Okay. Matt, you are on fire yourself, mate. It was exactly eight. Nice. Nice one. Point for you. Okay. Not, next not question. Nice. nice that he scored eight goals against us, but nice that I got it right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Better, better than 11. <laughs> better than 11, exactly. All right, question two. We played Arsenal 26 times in the Premier League the last time around. How many goals did we score in total? I'll bring that to you, John. So tw 26 times? Yeah, we played Arsenal 26 times in the Premier League the last time around. How many goals did we score in total? 18. You're going for 18. Lovely. And you, Matt? It's weird. I was going to say 18 as well. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go 20. <laughs> Daddy's going to love it. It's 19, so I'm going to give you both a point each. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Nice one. Excellent. Okay, cool. All right, question three. How many times have the clubs played each other in all competitions? That's how many times have the clubs played each other in all competitions? All right, Matt, I'm going to go to you. Um, let's go for 42. Okay, let's go to 42. And for you, John? Um, I think I'm going to go with the number that came into my head, even though I think he's probably closer, but uh, 63. The answer is 55. So, John, you are the winner of that point, mate. Congratulations. Well done. So we are now looking at three all. This is getting tight and very, very interesting. All right, so we're going to go to round three now, which is yes or no. Yes or no. And I'm going to go to Matt with set one questions. You can win a total of five points here, mate. Okay. So okay. the question is, 
did they score against Arsenal whilst playing for Fulham? Number one, Louis Boa Morte. No. That is correct, mate. Nice one. Number two, Simon Davies. Yes. Mate, nice one. He loved a keeper from outside the box in 2006-2007. The first Fulham goal at the Emirates. Thank you, Danny, for that trivia. Question three. Klaus Jensen. I remember him scoring against Arsenal, but I think it was for Charlton. I don't know if he ever did for us. No. It was yes, mate. He got another lob as well. This was in 2005. It was, yeah. It was against Tim Howard. It was also the last Fulham goal at Highbury in a 4-1 defeat. All right, mate. Okay, cool. The next one. Louis Saha. I don't remember him scoring, so I'm going to say no. That's correct. A nice one. That's a point. And the last one. Papa Buba Diop. I don't remember him scoring either. No. That's correct, mate. Nice one. Okay. All right, John. It's all on you for the same... Same question, yes or no answers. Did they score against Arsenal while playing for Fulham? All right, number one. Diomancy Camera. Oh, uh, I don't think so, no. I'm afraid he did. He scored in 2010 at the Emirates in a 2-1 defeat. Nasri scored both for Arsenal that day, unfortunately. All right, number two. Zoltan Gera. Oh, I'm not thinking of this. Uh, no. That's correct, mate. Okay. Number three, Philippe Christenvar. Yes. Unfortunately not. His only goal for foot... <laughs> Sorry, his only goal for foot was against West Ham at Umpton Park. I thought that was a trick question, so I just went in on it. Sorry, mate. All right. Okay. <laughs> Number four, Darren Bent. No. I'm afraid he did. He scored Fulham's last goal against Arsenal on his debut. For once, that's crazy. Um, and, right, number five, last one, Steve Sidwell. No. Unfortunately, he did. He scored, tw <laughs> <laughs> he scored twice in consecutive seasons at the college, including the 2-1 win in 2012 when we scored both goals in the last five minutes. All right, guys, this is... Sorry, sort of... Nah, a little bit. Matt is running away with this, but things can change quite quickly in this quiz, as we all know. All right, round four, the odd one out. Set two, this is for you, John, mate. Which of these former Arsenal players hasn't scored against Fulham for the Gunners? Is it A, Gilberto Silva, B, Jack Wilshere, C, Alexander Hleb, or D, Jose Antonio Reyes? Oh, um, I'm going to go with Gilberto Silva. Unfortunately, it's Jack Wilshere. Jack Wilshere has never scored against Fulham for the Gunners, which is quite surprising, actually. Sorry, mate. Okay, so here we go. We're going to you now, Matt, sir. Which of these Fulham players hasn't scored an own goal against Arsenal? Which of these Fulham players has not scored an own goal against Arsenal? A, Chris Baird. B, Breda Hangeland. C, Steve Marlett. Or D, Zat Knight. I think Marley scored one at Loftus Road mm. from a corner. Um, Hangeland. That is correct, mate. That is absolutely right. I can't believe that many other players have actually scored on goals against Arsenal. That's insane. So well done, mate. Well done to you. And now we're going on to the buzzer round. Now, uh, for the buzzer round for this one, I've decided that you're going to both have different buzzer noises and we're going to go for a types of cheese. Just to remind ourselves that actually the Felix Magat days were very bad and we don't actually need to start worrying about our time just yet in the Premier League. So, you, Matt, I'm going to have you down as Edam. And, <laughs> and John, I'm going to have you down as Brie. Okay? We've we got to have cottage cheese in this, surely. You're right. Okay, fine. Cottage <laughs> cheese. Cottage cheese for John. And Matt, what cheese would you like? You can pick any you want. Yeah, Edam. Edam's fine. Edam. Lovely. Why not? Lovely, mate. Okay, so round five, the buzzer round. Here we go. In 2004... We were left furious as a clear foul was committed in the penalty area by Gunners left-back Ashley Cole on Fulham's Andy Cole. The referee pointed to the spot before changing his mind, later admitting that he was influenced by the protests of the Arsenal players. Who was the referee? Edam. Cottage. Ah, oh, come on, Matt. Who was it? Mark Halsey. That is correct, mate. Well done. You are on nine points now. Very good. All right. Second question. 
Our most memorable match against the Gunners in recent times came during the 2012-2013 season when we drew 3-0 at the Emirates in a game that was jam-packed with drama. No more so than when Mark Schwarzer saved the penalty in stoppage time to rescue a point. Which Arsenal player missed the penalty? Edam. Matt, what is it? Walcott. No, I'm going to move it on to you. If you can get this, John, then you win the point. Oh, what's, is it Vera? What's he called? Final answer? Yeah, I forget his name. It's Mikel Arteta. No points for any of you that round, lads. Sorry. All right, question three. Question three. All right, cheese is at the ready. This weekend's fixture will be the first time that Arsene Wenger hasn't been in the opposition dugout against us in both the Premier League and the new millennium. How many Fulham managers went up against him in that period? Edam. Matt, how many? Five. Nope. John, next guess. Nine. Nope. Unfortunately, the answer is seven. The seven managers were (laughs) Tigana, Coleman. Yeah, (laughs) it was Tigana, Coleman, Sanchez, Hodgson, Hughes, Martin Yol, and Rene Moulinstein. All right, so... Last question for the cheese buzzer round. Question four. Which Arsenal centre-back scored at both ends in the 1v1 draw at the Emirates in 2011? All yours, John. I've no idea. Yeah, I've, I'm, honestly, I don't know why these, these quizzes make me look stupid. Um, uh, <laughs> cottage. Um, <laughs> go. Let's go, let's go, uh, Murtazaka. No, okay. I'm afraid it's not. I'm going to let you have one last guess, Matt. Pass it on to you. Say a centre-back. Tony Adams. <laughs> <laughs> You're both wrong. It was Thomas Vermaland. All right, guys. Lovely. All right. <laughs> and I've just got a couple of thanks for you, actually. From the 55 meetings between the two clubs, Fulham have won by the highest scoring margin in an individual match, winning 6-1 in 1913 at the Cottage. And the other fun fact is Fulham and Arsenal have never been drawn against each other in a cup competition. However, in 1904, Woolwich Arsenal beat Fulham 3-2 in the FA Cup before they had converted to the Arsenal we know in North London. All right, guys, this is, this is a bit of an odyssey, this one. So we have now got the final round, which is Danny Boy's bonus round. Now, following his recent appearance against Millwall, which confirmed that Harvey Elliott has become our youngest ever player, we felt it was only right to celebrate that achievement with an extra quiz round in his honour. Okay. Put me out yeah. my misery. Here we go. So... So you've got some bonus questions here. You've got, you get an up to five points each. So I'm going to start with you, John, sir. All right. Set two questions. Harvey Elliott's date of birth is the 4th of April, 2003. Did these events happen before or after the 15-year-old was born? Okay. Chris okay. Coleman became Fulham manager. Before or after? Before. That is correct, mate. Very good. Cristiano Ronaldo signs for Man United. Before. That's correct, mate. Nice one. (laughs) I love this. Bend It Like Beckham film. The the film Bend It Like Beckham was released. I'm going before. He was born after Bend It Like Beckham. Can you imagine? All right. No problem. All right. Next question. Rufus Brevet leaves Fulham and signs for West Ham. Was Harvey Elliott born before or after this? He was born after Rufus Brevet left. He did indeed, mate. Nice one. And the last one, Cheryl Tweedy, now or Cheryl Cole or Cheryl whatever she goes by, was accused of racial assault by a toilet attendant. Was he born before or after this? Keep it light. This is lovely work, Danny boy. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> so before or after? He was Born before that event happened. He was born after that event. Oh, can you believe this? Is, I mean, he's she's too a young. lovely person now. He's oh, she's lovely, absolutely charming woman. Nice. Um, right, okay. So, set one questions before or after for you, Matt, sir. So, can we confirm that I've already lost even before he's answered a single question? Okay, I can confirm. No, you not not another maths question. <laughs> 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 Don't make me count. I've only got a certain number of fucking figures. All right, here we go. Set one for you, Matt. Okay, before or after? Sava uses his mask for the first time versus Charlton. Was Harvey Elliott born before or after this? Harvey Elliott was born after that. Indeed he was. Volt signs for Fulham on loan before or after? 
Um, Elliot was born after Volts signed on loan. He was born before, mate. Brookside ends after 21 years. Um, Harvey Elliott was born after. He was born before. <laughs> John Harley scores a screamer versus Aston Villa. Was Harvey Elliott born before or after? That was at Loftus Road in the first season, so that was 0203. Oh, that's sneaky. I think. I think it was. I think Harvey Elliott was born after. He was, mate. He was born after. Very good. And finally, the congestion charge was introduced in London. Was Harvey Elliott born before or after the congestion charge? Harvey Elliott was born after. That is correct, mate. Mate, well done. So, Matt B, you have got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 points out of 20. And, John, you have got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. That is actually a lot closer than I thought it would be. Yeah, well, I, done this I just right? want to congratulate Matt for actual knowledge and my guesswork. <laughs> Got me close, but uh, well done, Matt. Matt, you've well, absolutely nailed it, and congratulations. So we're sending you a pair of unused Marco, Marcello Giallo boots, and you can put them on, <laughs> and you can tap your heels three times and say there's no place like home, and you'll end up at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, mate. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> Enjoy it, enjoy it, absolutely enjoy it. And to, to any of those, <laughs> and to any of those at home, we've got thirty-three out of thirty-three. Message us on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll give you an honour mention in the next week's show. All right. And just a special mention to young master Harvey Elliott for making his first ever professional appearance for Fulham, and to break the record of the youngest to appear in English football after his Carabao Cup debut. We will watch your career with great interest, Harvey, and we hope you score a hat-trick against City, who we are now lined up for. I mean, I mean, God is my witness. I, I, I don't know what will happen on that night, but I hope we see you play some more games. And I, I, I we... can have a guess. Yeah, go on. <laughs> have a guess. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I think it'll probably be, be our, uh, our last game in the competition. Yeah, I think you might be right. But, I mean, if we're going to lose to anyone... We may as well allude to them, the winners, so we'll see. All right, that's the quiz, everyone. And we are going to have a completely new thing now. We're going to now go on to the Arsenal preview on the other side of this. Fulham. All right, guys, Arsenal, Sunday, 12 o'clock. Very early start again, like Watford. I mean... Arsenal are in the form of their lives at the moment for once, and I'm actually very interested to see what's going to happen here. Like you said, Matt, earlier, we need to create, obviously, a fortress once again with Craven Cottage, and as John said, we can actually become a very different team when we play there. So how do you think we will line up, and what do you think our strengths will be for this game? Matt, I'll go to you. Yeah, so I think um, I think it'll be Bettinelli in goal. I don't think he's done anything wrong to to lose his place, so... He bet stays in for me. He was captain at the weekend as well, interestingly. But if Kearney comes back for this one, as as I expect he might, then that will change. But so yeah, bets in goal, and then uh, Christie will play right back, and I I hope he has a better game. Um, Callum Chambers can't play against Arsenal because he's on loan from Arsenal, but I think it will be a and Ream at the back anyway, and then Cecil will play left back. Then I think we'll play four three three at home. So I think. Um, I think the three midfielders will be Angisa, Seri and Kearney. And then the forwards will be uh, Scherler, Vieto and, and Mitro. So that's that's what I think we'll do. We just need to up our game. We really need to up our game. I think they're beatable. Um, Arsenal have, they lost their first two games, but their first two games this season were home to Man City and away at Chelsea. Um, and then they've had a, a relative, not an easy run, but a, not a, not a, um, a run against any of the top four. It's West Ham at home, Cardiff away, Newcastle away, Everton at home and Watford at home. And they've won all five of those. So they've, they're coming to us off, off the back of, of five wins in a row. Last two games, they haven't, haven't conceded a goal either. I think we're going to need an early goal, settle ourselves down and build our confidence up from there. Um, I hate lunchtime kickoff, so... I completely agree. There's just something that changes the mood entirely. John, what do you think? Do you agree with that lineup that Matt just gave? And is there anyone that we should really be focusing on who's in form for the Arsenal squad at the moment? Um, I've literally written down the exact same team. Nice, perfect. I, That's good. I, I, I did write down an alternative for um, three at the back, but 
I can't see us doing it. So there's no point even wasting breath. Go um, on, let's have an alternative. What three at the back? Oh, okay. Well, let's let's have um, Betts, Adoy, Reem, Mawson, and uh, it breaks down where I've got an odd one out. So it's a bit of a lopsided team here, but um, Angrisa, Seri, Kearney, Christy, Sess, Shirley, and Mitro. You try and ram. Shirley's going to have to play on the left and the right wing. But, um, <laughs> according to your comments <laughs> earlier, he's he's up for it. Yeah. <laughs> And it looks like Petr Cech is injured. So, I mean, that could make quite a big difference, don't you think, Matt? Yeah, I think he's looked dodgy this season. I, I th- mm. I'd rather he played. Yeah. He, <laughs> it looked like he did a hamstring, um, taking a goal kick at the weekend, I think. But watched um, watched the highlights of the Arsenal game against Cardiff and, and he looked really dodgy with the ball at his feet. And I don't know, was it the, the Everton game last week as well? They were knocking it, back, knocking it around at the back and then trying to use Cech. And he looked really uncomfortable on the ball. Um, so I wonder if he was in danger of losing his place anyway, to be honest. But yeah, I, he, I don't think he looks like he's going to play. So um, I don't even know the name of the, the Arsenal goalkeeper who who came on for him at the weekend, unfortunately. I forgot to forgot to check that. But yeah, I, 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 don't, think, I don't think they'll be weaker because of it. Mm. And so score predictions for you, John. Have you got any idea what you think the score could be for this game? Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure if I'm just being kind of rose-tinted, but... Well, no, Arsenal have won a lot of games. I, they don't look... I mean, they've got a manager in who just seems like Wenger with a different mask on. So I think they still have the same fragilities as they had last season. And I think we could easily get about them and do something. So we can't defend. So I'm going to go for 2-2. Desmond. 2-2. All right, lovely. And for you, Matt? Yeah, I think there's there's two schools of thought here. If If we turn up and... All of our players have a nine or a ten out of ten performance. I think we can rattle Arsenal. I think we can get get in amongst them. Um, Slav said at the weekend he wants to see us be more aggressive, um, and I don't think that means flying in with the two footed tackles or you know the the kind of tackles that Stefan Johansson was making towards the end of last season. I think it just means be more commanding on the ball and off the ball. Actually, we need to be better off the ball, and if we can do that, I can see us winning. And it, you know, we need we need a shot in the arm. Our, our season needs a shot in the arm, and this would be a massive shot in the arm to beat Arsenal at home on the run they're on. Um, I'll, I'll go two one. I think I think we can beat them. That's fantastic, and I really hope. I mean, not everyone's cup of tea, but I hope I can hear the every up fam and every up blood whenever we actually go past uh, Arsenal fan TV. That would be great. <laughs> that would just be fantastic. Good old troops. I actually love the love plane it. flying over as well. Exactly. Well, I'd can, love, we, um, I'd... Can, we, can we find the plane, please? Please. <laughs> <laughs> that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? I would absolutely love a Fulham fan TV right next to them. And just, you know, you've got, you've got like, what is he doing, Black? What is he doing? And you've got next to him, you've got, I thought they were bloody terrible. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, it's just, I really, really would love that. Anyway, okay, so that is us for the preview. And now we're going to go down memory lane. All right then, so now we have player memory lane. And this is a chance where we all can dip our heads into the pensive and relive our memories here, folks. And you guys, everyone voted on Twitter to actually vote for Steve Sidwell. He was the popular choice with 38% over Unichi Inamoto and Moritz Vols. So here we go, guys. I'm going to go with you, Matt. What is your favourite memory of Steven Sidwell? Um, I've, I've got mixed memories of his time at the club, to be honest. Um, he signed in in the transfer window in January in, in 2011. Mark Hughes brought him in, um, and I think he signed to the end of the season. Um, and that season, when Mark Hughes was there, as much as we don't particularly care much for Mark Hughes anymore and his ambition, um, uh, he, he got us to a, a respectable finish. We, we finished uh, eighth, I think, un, under Hughes. Um, and Sidwell contributed to that. He, he, was, he was solid in midfield. He chipped in with a couple of goals. And it, the standout memory for me was was the goal he scored at Sellers Park against Crystal Palace in in the season when we eventually got relegated from the Premier League. He he pinged one into the top corner from the edge of the box, and on any other night that would have been the moment of the match. But of course he was upstaged by uh, Paitin Kazami, who scored that absolutely. I don't I don't think I've seen many better goals from players in from a player in a Fulham shirt um, when he volley volleyed the ball in um, from a from an angle over the top of the keeper. So he, he did. He did have an eye for a good good goal. Did uh, did Steve Sidwell? He he scored another brilliant goal. Uh, I think in his first season at home to Liverpool, but we lost that one five two. That was a consolation goal near the end of the game. 
And he also scored, um, he scored the opening goal at Old Trafford in the season we were relegated when we ended up drawing two all when Darren Bent equalised quite late on. So, and the, and the reason it's mixed memories as well is because I, I just had this lasting memory of Stoke away. I drove up to Stoke that day, the day we were relegated, and he played in that team, as did our, our wonder signing at right back, Dan Byrne, another master stroke from uh, the legend that was uh, Felix McGatt. And that's, that's twice he's had a mention on this show tonight as well. We've got to stop mentioning him. Yeah, don't um, mention the McGat, mate. Yeah. Um, and I, I just remember Sidwell looking dejected as he left the pitch. Um, and I, I guess he was one of our standout players that season. I think he was our top scorer, actually. Not, I don't think he got that many. And then, then we released him on a free and he signed for Stoke. Um, so cheers, Sidders, for that. But yeah, he, he was a good player. He was, he was a, uh, a solid Premier League player. And and he, as I say, he had an eye for a goal. He scored a few great goals for us, put in some decent performances. And the seasons he was there, we, we finished eighth, then ninth, then twelfth, then nineteenth. So there was a, a slow kind of regression when he was at the club. Not that it, he was to blame, but yeah, they, they are my memories of him, really. He's he's not my favourite player of all time, but he, he was a good, solid Premier League player for us. And what would you give him out of ten for his Fulham career, mate, if you could? Crikey. Um, six and a half. Six and oh, a half. Actually, let's, let's call it seven. I think that's doing him some disservice. Let's yeah. yeah, I'd say seven. And John, on to you, mate. Any any nice memories you have of Steve Sidwell? And what would you give him out of ten for, for you, mate? Well, I don't think much left, much meat on the bone, to be honest. Um, Steve Sidwell memories, but um, I'll try and break some up. Um, in fairness, the, the lobby scored against United in the 2-2 draw. That kind of Wonderful. Literally yeah. eleven, yeah, but eleven men in the box for the whole game, and we kind of clung on. And in the last minute, um, Darren Bent, our favourite player ever, scored. It was quite quite epic. Um, to be honest, one of my favourite memories of Steve Sidwell was when he got sent off and he got banned for three games, and then he came on. And I was at the game; he came back and he was on the pitch for twelve minutes against Arsenal, and then you know did a bit of a Johansson, but slightly worse, and got sent off again. So he had a lovely holiday. I was there for right. that one. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I was there too. <laughs> Great. Like, you couldn't believe it happened. You're like, no, but it, <laughs> he, he did deserve it. Um, in fact, it's one of my best memories of Sidwell was I went to the um, the under 19s. There was an under basically. It was when Patrick Roberts and Dembele were playing for us. I think they had um, oh, I just gone to Liverpool and um, Slanky playing for them. I think we were three one up after what playing at the cottage I watched that and then we went to Stamford Bridge and we you thought kind of 3-1 up we got it in the bag I think they ended up beating us 6-4 or something um, but Sidwell was on the pitch for both games commentating and he he really believed in the kids and he was really like just there commentating just and I think that was the season where he left and you got the impression he didn't want to leave and he seemed like a really nice bloke and I can't think of a club that he's left where there's been a bad word said about him to be honest so Look, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't Ronaldo, but he didn't leave a sour taste anywhere, and and he and he tried his hardest. And um, I generally think we had the old debates: Parker Sidwell, Parker Sidwell, and look, you know, who knows? But um, I think it was one or the other when we got relegated, and we when we chose Parker. And I can't, I can't fault Parker; he's back at the club now. But I did think it was, um, I think it was, you know, they 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 they're slightly. They play the same position, but they are very different. So um, I remember him for his outrageous red cards and the fact that, yeah, he really seemed to want to be a part of the club. And he was coming in on his time off just just to support the, the youth team. And I think they all appreciate that. So for that alone, I'm going to give him a 7.1 out of 10. Slightly better than you guys. <laughs> Fair he's enough. Had, That's he's awesome. had a lot of nice things to say about the club in the press after he's left, actually. Certainly more yeah. recently. As well, so I, mean, I don't think any clubs ever, any fans of any club he's ever been to has said a bad word about him. One point I'd like to add, which I found amazing when I, I, I tried to research this, was that he never actually played for Arsenal, just the, just the Arsenal youth. But um, that's enough, you know. Yeah, we, fantastic. We can, cut, we can cut. We can cut that. No, no, I like it. Okay, that. Well, we'll see what done things. But I, I quite like that, mate. All right, okay, that's mate. What a lovely tribute to Steve Sidwell. We salute you as always, mate. That's fantastic. All right, so quickly, just to wrap before we wrap up, just going to have some fantasy football tips from you guys. I mean, I'm not doing great, but have you guys got any secret gems? Matt, I'll go to you. Anyone in your team that's going to whack out some points this week for us? Mitro Hattrick this week. Stick him in. Even though I've said it's only two one, let's go three one. He's going to get all three. 
simply because I forgot to look it up. <laughs> I don't know who's playing <laughs> this weekend. Perfect. All right, and for you, John, do you have any tips, mate? Um, well, I left Hazard out. I'm trying to sign Hazard. I'm trying to sell everyone I own to buy Hazard. I left him out last week thinking, oh, against, you know, he probably won't score against Liverpool, but um, he did. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm wondering if these are all week. No, yeah, so Chelsea are playing Southampton. I would, I would, and Spurs are playing Cardiff. So I'd be tempted to, to uh, put the Chelsea Spurs defenders you've got straight in the team and probably captain their strikers. City versus Liverpool. You know, go for your Salas and your Agueros, but probably leave out all of the back line because that should be a good good goal scorer. And um, yeah, good luck. Nice one. Nice one, guys. Guys, great show. Great show. And that's a wrap. Uh, thanks to you guys. Thanks to my co-hosts, Matt and John. Thank you to all for listening at home. Now, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and tell all your friends about us. And next week's show is out on Tuesday. We will look back on the Arsenal match. So that is goodbye from me. And that is goodbye from Matt. Cheers, guys. Great show. Thank you. And that is goodbye from John. Come on, you guys. Come on, you guys. All the best to you guys. See you soon.